my my philosophy is an educated client is a happy client. Nobody likes nobody likes to be surprised, especially really when it comes good. to their hair. Yeah. Um, so you need to cover every single base. Shop Talk Podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Suleiman, and as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And we have... A very special guest. Another extraordinary guest today, but one that I'm I'm really juiced up um, to talk to today, you know, especially in as we sit and record, and we're not going to talk a lot about this today, but, but we are going to, you know, mention it. We're in the second day of a shutdown of the, you know, this coronavirus thing that's happening and salons right now are in a lot of craziness and um you know a lot of people are supporting each other posting about how we can make things better and so um i've been following this person on social media for a while inspired way before these times by her work by her uh just creativity as well as you know being a voice in the industry uh for different issues that affect hairstylists and certainly as well as hair color. So uh, we're on uh, today with Caitlin Ford. Uh, so Caitlin, welcome. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. It's awesome. And, um, you know, Caitlin, I, I want to give a brief kind of an introduction of how um, I sort of heard, had the chance to really listen to you speak. I think it was around the Behind the Chair Awards when I really kind of dove deep into your page and saw the work that you've been doing and and you know obviously super creative but you know uh creativity mixed with you know mastery of skill and also mastery of camera like i can see that you know you've you've taken on some hard skills um that a lot of people are afraid of talking about trying to figure out um and something i didn't know about you was that you had an accident with a table saw and lost a part of your hand. Um, and so, you know, it was just like, I was so totally captivated by this story. I was listening to you on an episode of hair Destry with Corey and Tony, where you really talk deeply about how that affected you, changed you. Um, but you know, and, and didn't allow it to define you. And I know you're, you've kind of just come past it. You're much, you know, kind of much more than that, uh, thing that fact that that thing happened. Um, you have a studio called the rainbow room in St. Louis, Missouri at the chop shop, uh, which is a group of salons. You're an independent educator and have a YouTube channel. So lots to dig into here, mm -hmm. John. Yeah, for uh, sure. I'd love to pitch it over to you. Cause I know you love to start us off in a certain way. Yeah. I always find people's journey to how they got to be a hairdresser. Interesting. Right. And I think it's one of the things we share in common. So Caitlin, tell us a little bit about that. First of all, why did you choose hairdressing? How did you get here? So I kind of um, got into doing hair because when I was younger, I, I was always like really into doing creative stuff. I always was into like drawing and painting and um, kind of exploring a lot of creative outlooks when, or um, outlets when I was younger. Um, and so I kind of always knew that I didn't really want to work at like behind a desk all day. I knew that an office job probably wasn't for me. Um, when I was, when I was like 15 or 16, I really got into, I don't know if you guys remember like the scene that hair stuff and like the, it was just like a re really dramatic subculture in like t the teenage world where we were doing like really crazy things with our hair. And so I kind of fell into that and I started doing my own hair, cutting my own hair, coloring my own hair, and I would do it for my friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really into like that creative aspect of it. So um, eventually I realized it was something that you can like make a career out of. I had like a couple of other hairdressers in my life who were talking about how much they love doing it. And so when I was 18, that's when I made the decision, you know, I think I want to pursue cosmetology. So ended up starting school when I was 19 and um, finished when I was 20. And I've been doing hair now for 10 years. That's amazing that, you know, you just kind of fell right into something you loved right off the bat, right? Oh, yeah. I think for a lot of folks, it takes them a while to figure it out. When, Absolutely. When you look back on your education, your schooling and becoming a hairdresser, anything in particular that stood out to you that said, you know what, this it was fun playing with it, but 
now that this is my career and I've decided to go down this road, anything that just kind of hit you one day and said, yep, this is the place, this is where I belong? <laughs> um, you know, I think that... I think that the biggest thing with doing hair is you need to have a passion for it. I think that a lot of people kind of, not a lot of people, but there are people who enter in this industry kind of using it as their default. Like, I don't know what to do with my life. I guess I'll just do this, you know, but to stick with hair, you have to find your passion in it. Um, so I think probably the most pivotal thing for me was finding out the thing that I was most passionate about more than what I learned in hair school or even the things that I learned like working in the salon. It was kind of the moment that I, I felt like hair color was the thing that I really attached myself to and really found passion in. So that would be like my biggest advice to other people who are hairstylists or is their fledgling hairstylist is really, there's so many different facets to this industry. Um, finding the thing that you're passionate about is the thing that's going to, to drive you. So hair color shows up for you, obviously. I mean, I, I look at your Instagram feed earlier today and it's just amazing. And you said that you kind of reconnected with or connected with a passion and for you that was hair color. You know, how did that, you know, what was it about hair color that all of a sudden just kind of grabbed your attention? What was it about that that you said, you know what, this, this is going to be my thing. This is where I want to go. And not just hair color in general. I mean, your hair color is, you know, so much fun, right? It goes beyond, I think, the standard protocols of balayage or highlighting. You know, you've obviously taken it to a whole different direction. You know, tell us about that journey and how you worked your way through that and how you that just became your thing. Well, so uh, like I said, when I was younger, I was kind of into like the whole like alternative scene hair and stuff. And what was really cool about it is there was this color trend at the time. It was called coontails where they would do like black stripes with color right. in between. Yep. And I, I loved that. Um, and so I think that was kind of my first um, looking at hair color as kind of like an accessory, but I didn't kind of put that together until I got older and I started, um, I started, I think it was probably in 2014, 15, I started seeing like Guy Tang and Rebecca Taylor, I feel like were the first two like really big influencers as far as like crazy hair color goes. Um, I was always kind of told like colorful hair isn't something that you can make a career out of. And that wasn't true until it became such a trend that you could make a career out of it. And so I just kind of started thinking about um, hair color as an accessory, like just like anything else, like you can really set off an entire look with like the themes that you're using in hair color, the shades that you're choosing, how you're placing them. And, um, and all of that, it, it really becomes an accessory. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's interesting. I think, I think a year ago, like when John and I started to reach out to, you know, I want to say social media influencers, if you will, you know, we, we reach out to a lot of people. We love to talk to salon owners. We love to talk to bit, you know, people that are in the business side of the deal, you know, strictly business. Um, we, we love, but we, we found this, this independent educator movement slash influencer culture interesting, kind of not necessarily knowing what we would get to, you know, as we went down the path, or at least I'll speak for myself here. Um, what's been interesting, the more people that I talk to that have gotten some, you know, notoriety, if you will, a following, um, is they all lock on to something, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it's something they said you weren't supposed to be able to do. Right. Um, and then did that thing while nobody was watching yet. Yep. And then like did that thing for a really long time while nobody watched for a while. And so I'm, I'm curious um, about marrying your hair color journey with like the willingness to start to put out content, you know, seeing Guy Tang do it, seeing Rebecca Taylor do it, and then going, you know, this is something I can do. And I want to talk a little bit about the, the process inside of that journey as far as, you know, you started doing it. I'm guessing at first, not that many people were watching, right? No, no, uh-uh. So tell us about that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, um, and I do talk to, to other, I, I've done like social media classes and kind of talked to, talked about this before too, but, you know, I think that one of the greatest, uh, things that keeps people from starting something that they really want to do is, is fear. And a lot of that fear comes from, um, thinking about how other people are going to perceive you or, you know, we, we kind of think people are going to think that we're ridiculous for, for doing this, especially with social media and stuff, because there's all kinds of stigmas around like social media influencers and these sorts of things. So I think that there's a lot of like insecurity that holds people back from um, really pursuing the things that they want to do. So my biggest piece of advice is if you're really passionate about something, if you have a lot of knowledge about something, then just start sharing it and don't get too worked up about if you're, if, um, if it's perfect, I think that's another thing that people really get hung up on is, well, this isn't good enough. You know, um, you can always work on perfecting your skills along the way. If you were to look, scroll all the way back on my Instagram page to when I was first posting hair pictures, they don't look anything like the way that my hair pictures look today, you know? So I think that the biggest things that, that hold people up are fear and insecurity. And so it's really important to, to overcome that and to, um, and to really challenge yourself to move past that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that uh, that's just a reality on all kinds of things, right? Oh, so it is. We yeah. happen to be talking about, you know, the fact of starting a social media journey at this point, but that's everything. Yes. Right? I mean, that's people talk know, themselves down from so many amazing things, you know, without even realize they're realizing they're doing it. A hundred percent. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the things I want to ask you, this may sound kind of silly, but. You know, when we, when people build their Instagram pages or build their profiles, you know, they're always taking different pictures and putting stuff out there. And, and I think you said always trying to make it perfect, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I noticed about your Instagram page is you're your best model. <laughs> you are your best model. <laughs> um, obviously, you thought about that for a hot minute, right? So why are you your best model? How did that happen? Well, so basically it's just a matter of like, like, like resources essentially. So like it became, um, sort of, a um, I can't keep doing this at this level. Um, because you know, I work full time and then I'm creating this content and especially when I started doing like YouTube videos and stuff like that, that takes so much time to film and edit and everything like that. It's a full-time job in and of itself. And so the challenge became, how do I schedule a model in between this? Because a lot of the people that I was, I was using, um, they were, you know, they have their own jobs, they have their own lives. And so it would be very difficult. So like, I was like, I should just like do this for myself because it doesn't matter if it's like one o'clock in the morning, I can stay up and take pictures on myself and not have to worry about how it's affecting somebody else. So really it became more of a utilitarian thing than it was like, Oh, I, you know, like I can just like be my, be my own model or whatever. Right. So really it was more out of necessity than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's awesome. I'm, and I'm watching, watching one of your videos right now as we speak, John's got it up. Um, so I'm curious about, and this is, this is where we, I think got surprised when probably when we sat down with Ruby Div divine and Sarai, um, spear is, is when we, you know, just for whatever reason, the conversation came up around, okay, great. Like you guys have grown followings, you know, you've done this thing. Let's talk about business, like at your chair. And, and, you know, because I think there's a, I don't know if there's a confusion or like if I'm, you know, we have, so we have a hair school that graduates about 80 students a year. Um, you know, we have 150 stylists spread throughout our, the six salons that we work in. And there's a lot of confusion, uh, certainly for the seasoned um, people around why I would do this. You know, I'm a busy hairstylist right now. Um, you know, why I would do this. And it was interesting because, you know, the point that Ruby and Sarai brought up was like, look, the work that we're putting out is more educator work. Mm -hmm. um, there's the, you know, and there's a whole nother strategy around salon, like growing your salon business, mm -hmm. right? Um, I guess I want to just get your take on that. Like, talk, you know, yeah. how's that affected you in both ways? And yeah. do you have different strategies for, for either or? Yeah, you know, th that is something that I, I thought of 
a lot is that every, every individual's strategy with social media has to be different depending on the outcome that they're looking for. So not everybody is wanting to be like an influencer, an educator, or work with brands or whatever. There's so many people who just want to um, build their business. And actually that is what I kind of went into starting social media for because I had started at a new salon. I had um, worked at a salon where I'd signed a non-compete contract before. So when I moved on to this other salon, I, I didn't have a clientele. I was starting from ground zero, five years into my career. Um, and so I looked at social media as an opportunity to regrow my business. And so there is a de is definitely a different strategy. Really what I think about whenever I'm creating posts and stuff for social media, when I talk to other people about utilizing social media is you need to think about who your audience is and you need to be directing towards your audience. So if you are an influencer, if you are somebody who wants to educate, your audience is other hairdressers. But if you are somebody who is building your clientele, your audience is clients. So you need to be directing your med message towards clients, which means educating clients about products, maybe showing quick um, styling tips that people can do at home. Um, giving them more things for just anybody, any Joe Schmo to be able to do on their own hair, you know, um, that's who your target audience is going to be. Um, I think too, you want to kind of reach lo like locally. So I always tell people using like local hashtags, using local geotags, um, and kind of outreaching in your own community. You'll end up with a smaller audience likely if you do that. Um, however, if your goal is to grow your business, you don't need a big audience to um, start getting those people coming in because of social media. Um, I started getting people into my, in, in my chair about 500 followers in just because I was kind of really trying to target um, clients, you know, in the beginning. So now, and now I still get tons and tons of clients and stuff from social media, but I don't target quite as much locally. I do focus a little bit more on education. It's just a nice like side effect of it. You know, one of the things we talked about before we went, you know, live with this podcast was you were talking about how YouTube now has become a big part of your, your social media, right? And so I'm going to assume there's a different strategy there and you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you suggested that it's becoming even more important or a more of a bigger focus for you than Instagram has been as of late. Can you talk about, yeah, talk, talk about that a little bit. Why, why YouTube, why is it such a big deal and, and why are you, you starting to move in that direction? So YouTube is beneficial for multiple different things. Um, first of all, YouTube, a lot of people don't realize this. It's the second most used, uh, website in, in the entire internet. Um, it is the largest uh, search engine in the entire entire internet as well. It's owned by Google. Um, and there are some really amazing algorithms that Google utilizes to target people and really accurately target people as far as content goes. Um, but the, the main, uh, the biggest, most amazing thing about YouTube is that they actually profit share with creators. And what I mean by that is there is an opportunity to make um, money through ads on there. That right. opportunity does not exist on Instagram. So there is more of a benefit as far as um, the work that you're putting in. Uh, but not only that, like I said, it's a search engine. Instagram is not a search engine. And so you are relying on Instagram's algorithm um, to put your, your content in front of people that you want to see it. That's, it's effective sometimes, it's not, you know, but a lot of people are getting very frustrated with it. Yeah. I also think that there's a shift in Instagram as far as the engagement that we're seeing because now we have TikTok. And so a lot of people are shifting over to, to that. But um, the great thing about YouTube is it's a, it's a platform that's been around for a long time. It's a platform that is still heavily, heavily utilized. It's the most heavily utilized form of social media. Um, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And it's great for long form content as well. So especially when you're educating um, and that sort of thing, it is really great for that. So I've made it my focus because it just seems like it, Instagram does seem to be dwindling, right. you know, but YouTube is going very, very strong. And the, 
right now there aren't a ton of hairdressers on YouTube. You know, it's very oversaturated as far as makeup goes, but, um, there's not as many hairdressers on there. So if you, if somebody's listening to this, you're a hairdresser out there and you've been wanting to do YouTube, do it now. Now's the time to get in on it. Um, now that it's not oversaturated, get in on it now. Well, we're, we're super excited to hear that just Mm -hmm. because about eight months ago. And, and so you're, so you're just Caitlin Ford on YouTube. Yeah. Um, because about eight months ago, or maybe it was last August, we started to create content for the salons on YouTube and we we just launched a few weeks ago. Um, so I'm plugging us right now because, (laughs) but because we've been thinking the same thing, like it was like, okay, how many one shot pictures can I look at? And then if you really want long form video, um, and you really want to say something, you know, you can, you can spit it out. And I believe there's a different expectation on that platform when you go to youtube my niece my niece has a channel on youtube um and she's got over a million ish views on there and um she's a you know she's a hairstylist in philly and um she's been talking about it for a long time kind of beating that drum but like but the thing is is what she explained to me was there's a different expectation when you show up to youtube that when you show up to instagram you know on instagram my thumb's just going to kick by you know, I see something, I might double tap, maybe I give a comment or, or a couple of emojis. But on YouTube, I'm there. I know I'm going to be there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the podcast. Yeah, right. You know, like yeah. a different level yeah, of the, expectation. It, it's there. more intentional. Totally. You know, it, it, this is silly, but, um, you know, I spent a good part of my weekend making tiramisu because, you know, we're all stuck in the house. Chris Solomay won't eat it, by the way. It's got eggs in it. It's got eggs in it. But... You know, talk about being intentional, right? Because I'm looking at different techniques for cooking. I'm looking for different recipes, you know. And I was probably in that place for a couple of hours, you know. But to your point, it was very intentional. You know, I'm there for a reason. I'm searching out content. You know, the couple of people I'm, I'm following now because I felt that their content was useful, Yes. Yeah. Which is completely different than my experience, as you said, with Instagram, you know, with Instagram, you know, I flipped on you today because I knew we were having this conversation. Right. Right. But I otherwise might not have found you. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I will say like the way that um, audiences engage with you on YouTube is totally different than the way they engage on Instagram because they're saying so much more of your personality. And I'm sure for for you guys, if you have people that you follow on YouTube, you may follow somebody because you're like, wow, I like the way that they talk. I like the way that they do this or that. I like their personality. Um, So people really connect with you on a much more personal level. I find that even the videos that I have, like, you know, I have videos on Instagram that have like over a million views. Um, But I have videos on um, um, YouTube that have maybe like 40,000 views, but they have more comments on them, you know? So it's like people are engaging with it more. Um, so it's very, very interesting. I just think that it is, it's a much more personal way to connect and it's a better way to make meaningful connections with your, with your clients and stuff. And I actually have found that I've been getting more, um, new clients from YouTube than I've been getting really? from Instagram lately, which is really crazy. And I, the only reason why is because I mentioned, I think in one video that I'm from St. Louis yeah. and then yeah. all these people started Googling me. One of the things we talked about when we started this conversation was that the, you know your audience and Chris you know talked touched on this about targeting your your content to groups of people right and we kind of started this conversation one of the things we started this conversation was you know I'm creating stuff that's you know geared toward clients and drag you know bringing them into the salon and wanting them to come in and have my work done are you real are you following that same thought process when you're posting on YouTube? Do you have a, a different mindset for I'm posting this on YouTube because I want to attract this type of person? I'm putting this on Instagram because I want to attract this type of person or a different that audience? Has, that has honestly been the biggest challenge is kind of recognizing, um, especially especially for somebody who's in like the influencer sphere or whatever. I hate that word, but I think that, you know, like with YouTube, you really, you, you really have a challenge as a hairdresser connecting to two different audiences then if you want to, if you want to collect like a broad audience. So you have the hairdressers and then you also have the average consumers. So you need to focus on 
creating content that reaches both of those people. Mm -hmm. um, so I have, my biggest challenges have been keeping things technical, um, but not keeping things confusing for like the average person. Cause some people just like to enjoy watching, you know, just for fun. Yeah. Um, and so I have a lot of people like that who are like, I'm not a, I'm not a hairstylist, but I really like to watch this. So there is a challenge as far as like creating content for both of those groups of people. Hey, John, man, we just found out about something really cool in one of our last podcast conversations. Um, we found out about something called Salon Scale, and Salon Scale is a company, it's an app that basically helps you figure out your color um, costs in with your services. And so um, it's an app that you use that comes with a scale. And um, one salon owner that we know, after implementing Salon Scale, after a year, realized that she'd saved $40,000 that went to her bottom line. And it's one of those things that's good for salons as well as um, independent stylists. And so on this particular podcast, they've offered a discount to our listeners. And so um, talk to us about that. Yeah, they, um, Salon Scale has offered us as a listener to the podcast at 124Go 30 days free. So your first 30 days, no charge. And you'll also get a free scale. Awesome. So they send you the scale, yeah. which is amazing. Um, and then if you decide to do the deal, they also are offering 25% off of a Lux Pass. And what a Lux Pass does is they basically do the full setup for you. So um, the setup is relatively easy, but with the Lux Pass, they would take care of that for you. And apparently they've got about 200 different color brands uploaded already in the app. So really pretty easy to use. They've kind of done all the thinking for you um, behind the scenes. So anyway, you can check them out on Instagram at Salon Scale. Um, salonscale.com and then in the show notes there will be a, uh, a link that you can click that'll take you to it and you can get your um, get your 30 days free and 25% uh, off the Lux Pass with the free uh, scale so check it out Well, I think it's about choosing who you want to speak to so we you know we because we had those conversations in the very beginning um, and we just launched. And so, you know, there's no, I don't, I have no track record to speak of this other than to say we made the decision for better or for worse. We were client facing mm -hmm. because, you know, we're, we're reaching out to an audience or going to try to reach out to an audience of people that we think want to know a little bit, but aren't going to necessarily need a formulation, you know, um, one of the things that we're focusing on a lot is hair extensions lately. And so we're doing more hair extensions videos, just so generally speaking, you know, if somebody finds us and in all of our videos, like you kind of mentioned, we're just, you know, we're letting people know, hey, if you're in the Atlanta area. And so it's, we got real, you know, we made that decision, like we're, we're not trying to be hair influencers. You know, what we're, what we want to do is we want to give our clients another place to interact with us. Um, and that was the, I think that was the main thing. It's like, how many places can I find, how many places can I interact with Caitlin in a way that I like to digest? So if that's a still shot or, or a short video, you know, high speed, I can go to interact with you on Instagram. And if I want, you know, more personality and I want to digest more and get some of your words, you know, I can do that same thing on, on YouTube. And, um, and, and that was the thing. So, um, so let's talk content. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're obviously you love hair color. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, a lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, let's talk about hair color. Let's, you know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I see that that's a ton of your content obviously. And it's, you know, you've set yourself apart inside of a place. that's really hard to set yourself apart. You yeah, know, totally. Which is pretty cool. I know you teach as an independent educator. Mm -hmm. So on what specific, you know, if, if you're coming into a work with a group, what's your favorite, um, what are some of your favorite topics to teach on and what are some of maybe the, I don't know, I want to say the biggest challenges or the, the biggest questions that you get or the most common questions that you get asked around hair color are. So it's funny because I think that 
the questions that that you get tend to be questions you kind of get over and over again so a lot of it is like how do you keep the colors from blending together how do you keep them lasting like i think those are probably the top two questions um but when it comes to teaching color i think so whenever i started teaching hair color i wanted to to approach it in a way that technically made sense because i had gone to a lot of um, color classes or watched educators online and it didn't really seem like there was a whole lot of structure to what they were doing which is fine like you know it's totally fine if you just want to go in there and you know throw colors together that's that's you know all well and good and it's it's a lot of fun but i wanted to figure out a way to create a little bit more structure um to me it was important to figure out a way to make certain looks like replicatable because that means that there's an actual structure here that you can take and literally do the same thing on somebody else's head and get a similar result so i started thinking about and it mostly because of educators like philip ring especially phil does hair is mm -hmm. an amazing amazing hairdresser probably one of the most underrated hairdressers in my opinion on i love watching his videos now especially with the, because me being a bald dude yeah <laughs> I'm like, you know, he's totally flipped focuses on this, on his like hair, hair replacement thing. Um, cause he's had a lot more success with it, but his hair color is incredible. And he is, um, he's a Vidal Sassoon trained hairdresser. So he's phenomenally skilled, understands structure of hair very well. And I remember reading posts of his way back in the day and he was talking about um, relating uh, hair color placement to hair cutting. And all of a sudden it was like a light bulb in my head. I was like, that's like the missing piece of the puzzle. So um, I started really thinking about like structuring in hair color patterns with the structure of the hair itself. So really planning it out and understanding where your hair color is going to fall before you even put it on the head. Um, so that's what I try to teach people is understand, understanding the structure um, a lot, a lot more. So that's kind of my focus. So what does a day with you look like or a, or a four hour, you know, do first of all, do you do this outside of the salon or outside of uh, YouTube, Instagram at all, or do you go do live events? I haven't done a lot of in-person classes lately just because growing my YouTube channel has been become like a priority. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't done a lot of in-person classes lately, but when I do teach in-person classes, um, the placement that I always like to start out with showing people how to do is a shine line because I think, which of course is like the bright bands around the head. Yeah. I think that that's a really good basic one to learn because you can show so much of those rules and in, in just that one placement. Um, so typically that's what I like to do is I like to show that and then we'll throw some color theory in that as well. Um, it's really important to keep color theory in mind with creative color, um, especially when it comes to placing opposite tones right next to each other because they can have some undesirable effects when you do that. A lot of people don't realize that when you're starting out. I didn't realize that when I started out. Give us an example. So, so like if you were to put um, like purple and yellow right next to each other, mm -hmm. um, what tends to happen is where you try to like melt those colors together, they'll cancel each other out. So you'll either end up with like a gap like a, a white gap between those colors or it might just look muddy and kind of off in between those colors where they mix together mm -hmm. so that's just one example you know orange and blue together um green and red together um so like talking about like really thinking about the order that you're putting your color in. and there are ways to kind of fudge and get around that if you want to place opposites together um but like kind of understanding everything because color is um, to me, it's an application of like every aspect, every rule of doing, doing hair. It's, co it's color theory. It's, it's, you know, the structure, it's everything all in one. The creative color is. Mm -hmm. Love that. Um, as you're moving forward, you know, and you're looking at where color is going, right. And, you know, cause you've been playing with it for a while. Um, your color looks beautiful. You know, what do you see coming on down the road? What do you think are things that we need to be prepared for? What do you think clients are going to be asking for that we should know about? 
So I think that um, we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, hair pieces uh, just because they're, you know, easier to deal with. I think lots of wigs, clip-ins, extensions, those sorts of things, because it's easier for clients to, to deal with it. Temporary change, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I also think that we're going to see a lot more color being seen as an accessory um, in, in uh, like pop and um, media and everything. Like one person I like to point to all the time is Billie Eilish and what her hair is looking like right now. She's got these bright neon green roots. And when you, whenever you see her at events and stuff, she's always dressed to match her hair. Yeah. And so I think that we're going to end up seeing a lot more people really utilizing hair color as an accessory. Mm -hmm. um, either if it's just like in music videos and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I could definitely, I think that people need to be prepared for like celebrities really starting to start these trends. Cause before it was really social media starting the trends. We saw all the color kind of kick off on social media, but now that we're seeing celebrities do it, it's going to kind of come full circle. So, you know, these 15 year old girls are going to see, their favorite singers wearing these crazy colors and they're going to be wanting that too. That's so interesting to hear you just frame that way. And the reason why is because I, I'm old. John's not much older than me, but a couple of years. And so that was the first time I've heard anybody say who, and it, anybody. So, you know, when we, when we did hair, obviously it came from celebrities, right? I mean, that was, you know, that was where it came from. And you're the first person in, in that, in the, what did you call it? The influencer, the influencer, the influencer sphere. You're the first person that I've actually heard say that that would now start to flip flop back because it, it did get so, it was almost like, wow, social's just going to kind of be the first thing. And celebrities, I felt like were sort of going by the wayside in a way. Um, it was almost like, and obviously they've, you know, they've now, uh, gotten the memo and they're, you know, they're doing their own things and being more accessible and personal through social, you know, applications, whether it's somebody helping them with that or not, doesn't matter. Um, but so you're saying now that we will, we'll start to look back at celebs, which is, which is really interesting. Cause that, I just feel like it hasn't been that way for a while, but it was that way, you know, prior to your. Yeah, prior to your, you know. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, these the, the stylists that work on those people, they have the opportunity to really perfect their crafts. And, you know, the, the looks that you see on celebrities are very, very polished, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, not that you don't see polished looks on social media, you do. But I think it's a lot easier for people who are in that position to really create that polish, you know. And now that those, those, uh, artists are learning the techniques that we do they're really amplifying it you right. know um and so i definitely could see it kind of like starting to come full circle for sure with um like with this rise of you know it going from social media to celebrity and you know to the general public are you seeing a change in your clients meaning the demographics of who comes in you know age social status you know uh, male female do uh, any of that changing as time has gone by? I, well, I have um, a grand total of three male clients. So yeah. those are the, the only guys that I do. Um, most of my clients personally are uh, working professional women. Yeah. Um, and I always tell people like my color, because a lot of people think like, oh, do you do like rainbow hair all the time in the salon? Like what's the percentage? It's about half and half. So about half of my clients get creative hair color and the other half do natural hair color. Um, most of the people who get creative color, in my experience, we have a lot of like design agencies, like web agencies and stuff like that. We have Square here in St. Louis. There's a lot of really big companies in St. Louis. Um, and so those clients, those working professional clients, they have a lot more freedom working for these startups and design agencies and things like that to right. express themselves creatively with their hair. So that that's typically the demographic that I see because it's sort of the combination of they have the income to where they can afford to get that stuff done, but they also work in a sphere that allows them to express themselves that way. Mm -hmm. 
talk a little bit about behind the chair success. Um, just because, you know, I think that gets left by the wayside a lot when we talk to you and, and we get so wrapped up in the creativity part, you know, we forget about, Hey, there's actually a business behind this chair, right? Uh, you know, and for, I think for most people, you know, even, even that, um, you know, appear to have their shit together on social, uh, some of those people quite honestly don't have their shit together in the salon, you know, and that's a, and I think that's mm-hmm. a, the, a, something that we try to, you know, navigate with our team and, and certainly, you know, our younger folks to go, look, you know, there's, there's a part, there's a pool of money that's fueling, you know, this habit called the chair, right. you know, and, um, and, pleasantly we've been you know kind of surprised that almost every person that we've talked to um has a you know has a booming business behind the chair Mm -hmm. they understand the importance of that i mean i I feel like jordan pin up jordan uh the other day was you know really vocal about the fact that hey you know a lot of these projects that i do are fun and they happen at night and they happen some of them for free not all but you know but some um and that, you know, she was real vocal, like my, my chair is where I, you know, earn my money. Um, and that might not be true for everybody, but, but, you know, I thought it was just re- refreshing mm-hmm. to kind right. of hear her take on that. Um, you know, talk a little bit about salon life, um, you know, being successful behind the chair, maybe your philosophy and approach around that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, usually booked at least, um, four weeks or more out, um, before all of this, the stuff hit, I was booked about six weeks out. So, um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Cause you do get that sort of side effect of stimulating your business when you are, um, we're doing social media work. However, especially when I first started doing social media and going to a lot of gatherings and talking to a lot of other hairdressers who were involved with this, it was shocking to me to find out how many people who work, um, work. I, I use the term work for brands very loosely because some of these brands have teams where you're kind of working to create content for them, but you're not getting paid for it. Um, and there is a misconception. People who are outside of this don't understand that a lot of these people who are part of these teams, they don't get paid anything to create their content or be like associated with, with those brands. Um, and so a lot of people were traveling all the time and kind of letting their their business Care side fall by yeah. the wayside in yeah. favor of going to conventions and things like that so that they could educate for certain companies. And I talked to people who were really struggling to pay bills doing this. Mm-hmm. So I made a decision, like I think probably like two years into it, I was starting to have some success with it. And I... I really made the decision I need to to take a step back from going to these retreats and things like that because they're a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, like I'm losing clients now because um, I'm having to reschedule people so that I can go to these these trips and stuff last minute that I'm not getting paid for or anything like that. And so um, it is very important to make sure that you have your stuff together as far as your salon business goes. And that's been a huge priority for me over the past few years. The way that I think about it now is that, um, you know, advertising has changed because of social media. Uh, The way that um, one of the biggest forms of advertisement used to be like magazine ads and editorials and those sorts of things. But it's almost like social media has become the, the new form of editorial. And so because we have this opportunity now through social media for each person to have their own brand, I kind of think as social media is your opportunity to create an editorial for yourself. So what I mean by that is you have the opportunity to create ads for your own business. Um, so you need to focus on creating content that is geared towards your own business. Um, and so that, that is the way that I think about it now when I'm creating looks is that this speaks to, speaks to my brand. It's a little, you know, like a lot of people think that, you know, the, the crazy stuff that I do, like maybe she does that all the time behind the chair. It's, it's more just putting an inspirational picture out there, aspirational picture, you know, that people can look at and be like, wow, like you know, she can do that. She can do my hair, you know, so it's not necessarily like 
I want you to replicate that. And so many times people come in and have consultations with me and that's the case. They're like, I love this picture. I'm not necessarily looking for that, but that's why right. I was drawn to you. Yeah. yeah. And so how does that, so play that consultation out. And I guess I want you to play out, you know, who, who is Caitlin in the salon? Uh, what are those, what are the ways that you set yourself apart when you're one-on-one -on -one with a human being? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a consultation prior to, um, doing color for any new client. It's a requirement. You can't make a color appointment with me until you've had a consultation. Um, but we go through the entire gambit. I ask them to show me um, photos of what they're having done. I'll have them explain to me, you know, the things that they have already existing on their hair. And then if there's like compromise needed, we'll have a full conversation about that. But I always try to like my, my philosophy is an educated client is a happy client. Nobody likes, nobody likes to be surprised, especially really when it comes good. to their hair. Yeah. Um, so you need to cover every single base. And the, the way that I do this, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people shy away from like criticism and it's hard to take criticism. And, you know, if you've done something like made a mistake before in your career, um, it, it's, it's hard to kind of like fully take responsibility for that sometime. But I think that it's very important to look back at every opportunity, everything that's happened that has gone wrong because every stylist has made mistakes. We've all looked back at appointments that we've had and been like, man, I should have done that differently, you know? Um, so I tried to think of every, every instance where I've, I've not covered a base and make sure that I cover it. Um, I always talk about price. I always talk about what they should expect as far as data. I always talk about maintenance, how often they're going to need to come back. Um, just preparing them with as much information as possible and people really appreciate it. A, a million percent. And price is something, you know, we're, we're constantly having the discussion around, there's no faster way to lose a client than sticker shock. I mean, I guess there are other ways you can burn yeah. their hair off. <laughs> you know, there was a, I, I forgot where I heard it, but there was a discussion the other day about, you know, this, this separation between, you know, they do all these surveys and they ask hairdressers, you know, what percentage of your clients get a, you know, consultation and the numbers are like 80, 85, 90% of my customers get, you know, a, a consultation. And yet, if you ask a customer, the response is usually seven, eight, nine percent. You know, it's really, really low. And so the thought is, well, where is this discrepancy? Where is it that hairdressers think they're giving everybody a consultation and the customer that thinks they're not? You know, and the great point that the speaker brought up is, well, because what we think is a consultation, meaning as a hairdresser, really isn't. You know, it's like, hey, Chris, what are we doing today? A trim? We're gonna take a half inch off? Great. Yeah. That's Let's not go. a con that's not a consultation. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and what you're talking about, you know, at least on the surface, is very thorough. You're talking about pricing. You're talking about what's going to happen next, the cost of this, the cost of that. For many people, there's a shyness to that, right? I'm afraid if I talk about that with my client, they're going to think it's too much money. They're going to think I'm boring them. You know, talk a little bit about we know why it's important. But as somebody who's behind the chair help me as a newer stylist understand, you know what, you got to get over this fear because you not giving the guest all that information they need is really going to bite you in the butt in the long run. Yeah. And again, it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, how fear and insecurity holds us back so much in so many different ways. And I, when I look back, especially at the beginning of my career, I definitely was that person where I had a lot of insecurity talking about price and everything like that. Um, a lot of that has to do with, with seeing your own value and your own self-worth, you know, um, nobody should ever cut themselves short as far as money goes. I have consultations even now where I tell people, you know, what they would expect to pay and they're like, Oh, I didn't expect it to be anywhere close to that. Are you sure it's that much? And I'm like, that's, you know, this is what my clients pay and I am booked up, you know, so this is the, the price is the price, you know, right. um, so I think that it's very important to have those conversations confidently and really practice having those conversations confidently um, and to stick to your guns too. Like if you say you're going to, to charge something and people, you know, aren't into that, don't back down. You're worth it um, to charge that much. And the more exceptions that you make, 
the, the more you're cutting your income, you yeah. know, um, you know, you do this for one in every 10 clients. Well, you know, after a hundred clients, that's 10 clients who are getting a massive discount that they didn't need to be getting, you know, you could be making room for other people who are willing to pay that. So it's important to understand your worth and really approach things confidently um, and really practice that confidence. It's a, it's a really hard thing. Um, maybe even like uh, stimul simulating those conversations have, have stylists in a salon practice with each other consultations, right. you know, yep. so they can build that confidence. But that's really the, the important thing is having the confidence to say, this is how much it costs and, and, you know, come from a place of, I, I've invested my education. I know that this is worth it. I know that it's going to take this much time and I have to charge this much because I'm, I'm worth that amount. You know, one of the th other things I noticed flipping through your Instagram feed is there's, you know, a bunch of videos, you know, scattered throughout where you talk about things like having confidence, you talk about like about being positive, you talk about, you know, mindset, you know, it isn't just the pretty pictures that you have and the beautiful work that you have done, but you've made it, I'm going to say a point to express that, that thought process. Where did that come from? Why did that become important to you? I'm assuming you didn't just show up one day and said, you know what, I'm the most confident, positive, you know, person there ever meet, and I'm going to share it with you. Obviously, you know, for most people, that's a journey. Talk about that a little bit. So I, it is a journey. And I, you know, I, um, I have a pretty interesting journey, because actually, before I, before I started fair school, I was actually homeschooled. And I lived in a very rural area. I was homeschooled from grade four and uh, onward. And uh, going to hair school, that was the first classroom that I had sat in, in, you know, um, like, like 16 years or something crazy right. like that. So I, that came with a lot of like insecurity and also shyness and, and all of, all of this stuff. So one of the things that I have realized over the years is, is, uh, you know, most people, when they're insecure about something, for whatever reason, you kind of get in this mindset, like, I'm the only one who feels this way, you know, yeah. and that's just not true. Pretty much anytime you, ha you are, you have an issue or you're feeling insecure about something, that's the way that 95% of the population <laughs> feels, you right. know, yeah. so I kind of flipped that is when I start to have these feelings, um, I share them because I realize that when I share them, it's, it's, it's relatable for other people. There's so many other people who feel that way too. Mm -hmm. And so the moment that you kind of stop thinking, so it, 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 it is kind of self-absorbed, you know, right. to think that way. Um, so the moment you start to let go of your own thoughts sort of revolving around yourself and understand that other people feel that way, it gives you the ability to, you know, have the confidence to talk about it because, you know, you're standing in a room or talking to people who um, know where you're coming from. Right. So I think that that's really the biggest thing. Uh, probably one of the analogies I could use for a lot of people feel very insecure about going to the gym and working out right. and they're afraid that everyone's looking at them, but everybody else is thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, you right. know, everyone else thinks the exact same thing and nobody is paying attention to anyone else, you know? Right. Well, there's always that one person who's like, I hope they're looking at me. I hope they're looking at me. <laughs> um, have you gotten as much feedback regarding those posts as you have with your color posts? Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like, um, when I, I really do try to like share information and not just kind of like fly by posts, you know, like I want to add like value and meaning to, to what I do and, and help other people because I know the place that I've been in before and so I, that's kind of what I think whenever I'm, I'm approaching like posting anything on social media is how can I add value, even if it's just kind of a message that other people can like relate to, you know? Um, so yeah, I, it's crazy because a lot of my posts where, you know, it's just reposting something that I posted before, but I put like a four paragraph essay underneath about right. like what's yeah. going on at the time. Those get bigger responses sometimes than some of the newer stuff that I post. It's crazy. One of the things I liked, and I feel like I'm, I'm scrolling back a little bit in the conversation is, is just when you were talking about confidence and you were talking about showing up, um, you know, we do, we have a lot of these conversations, 
Um, many of them happen on Zoom because this is, you know, just the nature of the beast. We all live in different places. Um, not everybody shows up mm-hmm. the way you did today, you know, fully done, um, you know, lighting, hair, right? You know, like you're at work, basically. Um, and all of us are at home right now because of coronavirus, uh, right. uh, um, right. um, you know, whatever we call it, lockdown. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're at home and you showed up professionally. And I, and I think that, you know, there's a part to confidence where you develop it. Mm-hmm. There's another part of it. Like, I'm trying to get John to dress professionally all the time. It's embarrassing, this mm-hmm. guy walking around, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, today I wore jeans. It's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. But, but, but really, though. And brown like, shoes. What was I right. thinking? Yeah, I like brown them. shoes. I like the brown shoes. Brown but 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 for real, you know, there's there's the being confident and then there's the I did my part too. Yep. You know, so like you mentioned a few things, education, you mentioned that, you know, it's not just like okay, I have a hair license and now I'm I'm worth it. You are, of course as human beings we're all worth it, but but I'm we're talking about supply and demand here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like in the in the development of that confidence, there's also this this is my brand. Like, you know, you, you very, you know, openly wear your brand and your brand is your brand. You know, we all have our own thing, mm-hmm. but wear it be purposeful. So when you're, so when you're having that conversation, whether it be pricing or just a consultation in general, when you show up, you know, you did your work, Yep. right? You did your education, you did your back work, you're covering all your bases. So now when that conversation comes up, the person can unquestionably, whether I decide to pay Caitlin Ford's prices or not, mm-hmm. I at least understand and appreciate why that she is where she is and doing right. what she's doing, right? And it's just, the same thing goes, you you know, what I, if, if you're a listener, right, the listeners listening, the same thing goes for everybody. Yeah. That's, that's not a special thing to Caitlin or John or Chris or, you know, any other um, person that you've heard of or seen elsewhere, you know, it goes for all of us. Um, I actually reached out to you the other day because you were posting around, you know, kind of this, uh, coronavirus stopping of business and, you know, just kind of reaching out, you know, to the industry, you've been sort of a cheerleader, if you will. Um, and I know that you, you know, in our pre-conversation, you talked about, you love to touch on it all kind of, um, issues that affect hairdressers in general. Um, and so what are some of your favorite, what are some of the, you know, the horns that you're trying to toot out there and how are you, you know, what, first of all, why, I guess, is, is this such a big deal to you? You know, the community. It's a big deal to me. Um, because you know, it's a community I've been a part of for a long time. And I, I have a lot of friends in this community. I have most of my friends are hairstylists. Um, and I, you know, also whenever I had my accident, this community like came together in a really, really big way to help me out. And, um, I just realized, you know, how there, there is so much caring behind hairstyles. Hairstyles are very caring people. You wouldn't last in this career if you didn't have a lot of empathy for other people. You know, you have to be a good listener and being empathetic is part of it. And, um, especially for hairdressers in America and kind of the way that our economic system is set up, oftentimes, um, service professionals do kind of fall kind of in the least, you know, we don't have vacation pay. We don't have health insurance. There's no unions or anything to help out when things kind of go awry. And so especially, you know, like for, for everything that's happening right now, to me, it breaks my heart because I'm realizing how heavily it's going to affect people in our industry. Um, and you know, I know a lot of hairdressers who are single moms who, you know, they work their butts off and they are living paycheck to paycheck. And, um, so the reason why I, I raise these issues is because I, I really think about it a lot. I, not for myself, you know, I'm okay. And I have savings and everything like that, but because I know so many people who are in these positions, I, I really care about things that affect the people who have, who are at the very bottom because they're the most vulnerable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know the other day you were kind of raising some, you know, just doing some call to actions, anything, uh, anything on your mind right now? Oh yeah. I mean, definitely still like, I think that, you know, the next, the next full year is going to be extremely interesting. I was reading some articles the other day that the unemployment rate may go as high as 20 to 30%. And the thing is, you know, we're already seeing, I I read another article the other day that unemployment is already uh, just in the past few days, we've had more people reach out to unemployment offices in the past few days than the, um, like a year and a half into the 2008 housing crisis. So the the thing is because we're just at the beginning of this and things are kind of falling apart from underneath from the bottom, that's going to cause an upward collapse as well. And so, you know, right now we're immediately talking about people who can't pay their bills. Uh, but that's going to change into their clients who can't pay their bills. And so they'll, they'll be going back to work with less clients, which means less money when you do get to go back to work. And so there's going to be a massive ripple effect throughout the entire industry because of this. Um, this is an unprecedented event. And because of the drastic um, way that it is, it's going to reshape our economy going forward. There needs to be people who make sacrifices. You know, there's been people who can't afford to make sacrifices who have been forced to make sacrifices, and we need to see more sacrifice from from those who have the ability to sacrifice. And um, I think that it's more important now than ever for. Um, those of us who are in, in the industries that aren't able to work from home and those sorts of things to be paying attention to what our political leaders are doing, um, and make sure they're taking care of us because, uh, you know, it's so easy to kind of just let that be white noise and be like, I don't want to think about it. It's too negative. I don't want to think about it. But right now, the, this is this is an imperative time to make sure that we we are taken care of and especially taking care of the people at the bottom, because if the bottom falls out, everything at the top starts to fall apart, too. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that, dude. What a great conversation this has been. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, what a great conversation this has I don't has know been. if you noticed, but you know what? This is one of the few times when we didn't get to talk so much because the person we were talking to is smarter than we are. It was just so <laughs> enjoyable. It, you know, Usually we talk a lot. Yeah, we, lo- we love helping people out on the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, you were brilliant today, so thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I love when you meet somebody that's, you know, I, m- the first, I'll age myself now. Mm-hmm. I always go back to the first Matrix when I think about Trinity kicking those guys' asses when she walked into the bar. And or wherever that room where, you know, she beat everybody up and it was like, not only is this girl amazingly cool, but also wicked talented as well. She had that Um, motorcycle, too. Yeah, she had a motorcycle as well. Do you know what it was? I have no idea what that motorcycle was. Are you kidding me? It was a Ducati 916. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to know. Good to know. Um, so as we wind our podcast down, down what I typically do, Caitlin, is just pitch it to John for just a second. And yep. then um, I'll kind of pitch it to you. And, you know, if there's any closing thoughts or anything on your mind that you feel like we didn't touch on. So first of all, mm-hmm. John, uh, such a great conversation. So many different uh, things I'm taking away. What are you pulling away from today? Um, you know, like I, like I just said, uh, one of the, the great things about our conversation with Caitlin today is we didn't get to talk a lot. Um, <laughs> that's so much great information. And I think that's awesome. Um, I love, you know, your kind of foresight into seeing that, um, Social media is changing a little bit. And, and we know that social media is changing a little bit. But mm-hmm. I think for someone like yourself who's actually, you know, working that, uh, working with clients, you know, uh, teaching out there and seeing the progression from things going from Instagram to YouTube, I think that's an important mm-hmm. piece to know. And like you said, if, if any time is the right time to get into it, it's right now. It is, yeah. Before that becomes flooded. Mm-hmm. And I love your work, but I really like the the emphasis you're putting on helping people build confidence about mm-hmm. being positive, you know, about, you know, working to change their mindset because mm-hmm. I think for so many younger stylists and, and, and not even for younger stylists, I think, you know, for a company like ours, we work with people that are graduating hair school next week, right? Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. that have been here for 25 years yep. And, yep. and more and more and yeah. anywhere along that spectrum, we see people struggle with mindset. 
you know, mm -hmm. struggle with being positive and being struggle with defining their own worth. And one of the things I always have a challenge with is, you know, we often talk about, we hear people talk about, well, charge what you work, charge what you're worth, charge what mm -hmm. you're worth. Mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, it gives people, some folks charge what, charge more than what they're worth yet. Yeah, right. They're not, you're not there yet. And I right. think the process of you building your business and building your career so that you got to this point, I think is really, really important. Mm -hmm. uh, and doing that through being positive, developing a mindset, that comes with time. And with mm -hmm. that, your prices come as well. Uh, Absolutely. I love that whole journey that we were able to go through with you today. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So Caitlin, obviously, you know, talking to a group of hairdressers from from uh, beauty school students all the way up. Um, mm -hmm. Anything you feel like you're leaving, we're leaving on the table, or anything uh, you just maybe want to say in in closing. Um, I think I just want to say, like, just emphasize to everybody, especially with with the, what's going on right now, because of the immediate effect that we're seeing, we need to be paying attention to what's happening. So everybody needs to um, be talking to, be looking at, sorry, my dog just walked no, It's in. all good. I see um, your baby's coming in. Yes. Look, if you're in America, look up your senators, look up your Congress people and pay attention to what they're doing right now and paying, pay attention to how they're helping you. We all need to be paying attention right now. That's Thank beautiful. you for that. Thank you very much. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in. And I yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. We've crossed the 20,000 mark just recently. Um, there, I, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets, gets his wings. Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world, helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in ours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.